When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? It is Ricky the Blue, the associate editor and Virginia Tech football beat writer for TechSideline.com. Welcome back to another episode of the TSL podcast. It is a kind of, a, I think, a little bit of a somber podcast here because college football season's almost <laughs> over. And I feel like this is always a, a bad time of the year, as always. I'm with Chris Coleman and Will Stewart, uh, the head honchos here at TSL. Uh, Will, how sad, or have you, has it hit you yet that maybe college football season is is almost over at this point. You know, it's always weird because every year I'm excited for college football to start. And I'll just I'll watch as much college football as I can consume without, you know, ticking off the family too much. <laughs> just going down to the man cave. Yeah. Um, but by the end of this season, I'm exhausted. You know, um, we put a lot of time in over here at TSL. We just wa- not only watching tech stuff, but watching the ACC and, and trying to get a feel for the entire conference. And you know, go into the games. Some of them are road games. I I gained probably ten pounds. You know, from the <laughs> from the tailgating and stuff. It's exhausting. Um, and we're not even doing the physical stuff that the players and the coaches are doing. So it's this weird thing where, when it's over, there's a part of me that's that's kind of glad that I can get off the treadmill, as I like to say. You know, and and stop and catch my breath. And and it's kind of cool because uh, basketball season starts up right about the same time. You know, whenever I start to get depressed about uh, the fact that college football is over, I just go watch a tech basketball game. You know, Chris, are you as exhausted as Will is? Uh, no, I wouldn't. Nah, he's <laughs> young. He's younger. I wouldn't say that. Uh, uh, you know, it felt kind of weird not writing a game preview this week. I yes, guess. definitely. Uh, but at the same time, the signing calendar got pushed up to December. So you know, three weeks from now. We'll be going through the early signing period, so it's something different this year. Plus, you got basketball season going on, and the Hokies are scoring a lot of points, so it's it's not not it's not as if there's nothing to do. The, the moving up of the signing period though is going to make February absolutely dead. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> there's going to be first, very first, little to talk about the first Wednesday in February. There's, there's yeah, it's going to be much to talk about. Yeah, Chris, you mentioned basketball obviously, and they picked up a huge win in the ACC Big Ten Challenge versus Iowa. Uh, Chris, go ahead and give us your early observations from this team so far through the first several games. You know, through the first, uh, I guess, six games of the year, uh, you know, there were question marks about the defense, and they could score a ton of points. So you were sitting there thinking, what's going to happen to this team when they have an off shooting night? Because, you know, they're hitting a ton of three-pointers. I think in two games this year, they've been one three-pointer away from tying the school record, which was set last year, by the way. So, I mean, this is a team that can really fill it up from the outside. But Hey, so let me interrupt. You were talking about tying the record. I looked this up during the game. Uh, What game was it where they had 16 three-pointers? It was two games. It was uh, the Washington game and uh, uh, whoever they played – this past uh i don't remember the other yeah. game yeah well I, I think it was during the washington houston game. baptist i think in i think in the washington game they went 16 to 26 mm-hmm. 
the record was set against Louisville last year when they went 17 of 26. Right. So I thought that was a interesting yeah. statistical wrinkle. And, and that's an incredible percentage from the outside. So, you know, there's going to be a few games this year where the shots just don't fall. That's just the way it works. Even if you're a great shooting team, it's not going to be there every night. So I think the question was on a night where they're shooting from the outside, wasn't going to be there, were they going to be able to play good enough defense to stay in the game and give themselves a chance to win the game. And against Iowa, that was certainly the case. Uh, I mean, that was the best defensive half Virginia Tech has had all season. That second half there. Yeah. Yeah. At one point, Iowa missed 17 shots. In a row. In a row. (laughs) And Iowa had eight points in the first 15 minutes of the second half. It was a long time. Then they scored 10 in the last five minutes. Yeah, you know, it was 38-38 halftime. Both teams traded buckets to open the second half 40-40, to and you're sitting there thinking, okay, yeah, this is going to go down to the wire like most of these ACC Big Ten Challenge games seem to be doing. Uh, not the case. Iowa didn't score their next point until there was like 11-something left, 12-something. Yeah. 12 12-something 12 12 something left on the clock. So, I mean, that, and Virginia Tech just took control of the game. And, well, they went on a 20-to-1 run. It went from 40-to-40 yeah. to 60-to-41. Yeah. To right. Yeah. So, uh, that was a lot of fun. So, my, my takeaway from that was I, I sat down a little uh, – a buddy of mine gave me some really good tickets. He's basically center court front row mm-hmm. over behind the scorer's table. And I don't know if it was that perspective. Usually I'm, I'm just two or three rows behind the bench. But I had different angles, and, and I thought that um, – I thought Blackshear looked better than I've seen him look defensively. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he clearly played – man, he was a beast on the defensive boards in the second half. He controlled that end of the court on, on in the rebounding battle mm-hmm. in the second half. But the other thing, it's, I guess it was – and, you know, you're, you're a much better observer of this stuff than I am, so let me know if you agree. I finally figured out something about him. He's a very skilled offensive player, mm-hmm. Blackshears, but he's not explosive. He's not. There were a few times where if he was explosive, he would have crammed the – I'm talking half court. He would have dunked it. Yeah. But he can, he still has to make a move, you know, and it, and it makes some guys able to defend him. So that's neither here nor there. It's not relevant to the game or even really the season. It's just something I finally something finally clicked for me the other night. He's a very skilled player, but he's not explosive. He's quick. He can get you move. Eh, quick may not. I was just be about to right. say. I feel like I've had some concerns about his. Lateral Deep, quickness defensively, his, yes, yeah, absolutely. He's not a great athlete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah if he gets at. moving laterally, he can be fairly fast and hard to guard. But as far as vertical uh, explosiveness and and lateral quickness, yeah, he's he's yeah not yeah. Gra- not great at those things. But he's a good he's a good player and he had a great night. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't want to. Well, I'm trying to think of uh, the phrase I want to use. I, I, sleepwalking's not not the phrase. Uh, I don't think we saw mean carry Blackshear in, until the Iowa game. Uh, you know, Fair he, enough. He, yeah. he struggled with the Houston Baptist big man and just wasn't ready to play. I mean, Buzz says after that game, he went out on the court for pregame warmups and told Kerry, watch number 44. He's going to be getting paid to play basketball overseas. He's a good player. And I guess Kerry didn't listen because that guy wore him out. That's exactly what Buzz said after the game. He wore Kerry out. And then Blackshear comes out and picks up two fouls in the first two and a half minutes of this game. P.J. Warren. Had a career-high 16 points. Buzz says after the Iowa game, he said, honestly, you know, I, I think I think KJ, which is what he calls Kerry Blackshear, uh, yeah. I think KJ was uh, was embarrassed that <laughs> he got in that you know he got in foul trouble so early, and his backup came in and scored 16 points, and, and only committed what one foul? Yeah, something yeah. like that. So, uh, yeah, he certainly seemed like he was playing with a point to prove in the second half, and and I think I think that shows this is a much better defensive team 
You know, Kerry's not going to go out there. Like you said, he's not quick off his feet or anything like that. So despite being 6'10", 6'11", whatever he is, he's not going to block a ton of shots. But he takes up space, and he can alter shots and things like that. And he, he can he can get defensive rebounds. Um, yeah, I saw so many rebounds from, from Iowa the, the other day where, it, you know, a lot of times I, I'm somewhat critical and, and, and I say, you know, rebounds are mostly about toughness, and I and I and I do believe that toughness but, but, and effort. But yeah. but but there there were some the other day that Iowa got just simply because they were taller than Virginia Tech and they had more reach, um, and that's not the case when Blackshear is in there and he's playing hard. I'm I think I still have a little bit of trepidation on uh, Virginia Tech's defense, mm-hmm. but I will and and I've been kind of vocal about that. But I do think that that second half there against Iowa, I went back and rewatched it. That was one of their best defensive performances all season, maybe the best. Oh, it was absolutely and, the best. And I think that if they can parlay that more consistently down the stretch into the season, I think that this team could definitely be better than what we saw last season. Yeah, you know, Iowa's offense, good offenses are inside-out offenses. Uh, you know, Buzz calls it paint touches. His offense is more efficient when they get a paint touch. Uh, it's the same thing for Iowa. I'm sure their terminology is different. But uh, Virginia Tech really – Denied them the ball on the inside in the second half, I thought, and it, uh, it threw off their offense quite a bit. And uh, now let's not let's not talk about Iowa being some great team. They're not. Uh, you know, they yeah. made, they made the NCAA tournament four or five years in a row. They made the NIT last year. They're a good program, but this particular Iowa team is not going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, and they're probably and they'll get better as the year goes on because they're a young team, but. They're probably an NI team, NIT team this year at best. Um, so it's a good win for Tech, but it's not one that's going to register on Selection Sunday. But but you do like to test yourselves against the caliber of athletes that Iowa has. Definitely. That Tyler Cook's a good player, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, t- tech, tech that was off- a nasty dunk. Yeah, he, yeah. Oh, man. Tech, tech offered him, and, uh, and it would uh, – it would have been nice if, if they had gotten, it. <laughs> but uh, but oh well. It's it's a good looking tech team so far. It's an exciting tech team. It's a six and one so far it's, early it's, in the it's season. An, it's an entertaining brand of basketball. And you know, the tech will obviously hope that they can parlay that entertaining brand and that that you know great offense. I think I saw a graphic where they're third in the nation in points of points per possession on offense. So if they can, you know, maybe part of that and some extra butts in seats, yeah. I think that'll be a good thing for oh, the if they, if they just hit their threes like they had been all season, they would have scored 90. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, yeah, they, I they mean, scored, what, 75? 79. 79, 50. Oh, they'd have had 90 easily. Med Hill didn't have a very good shooting night. You right. Mean, yeah. did, did you mean a mod Hill? Is that Sorry. What, is that what I they actually heard somebody say that. Debbie Antonelli is a great broadcaster. I've listened to her several times, and she's really good, but I, I heard a mod Hill – multiple occasions on the broadcast Yikes. and uh yeah well not, not gonna cut it <laughs> well uh, or one more thing about them they haven't played a road game yet that's true and they play at Ole Miss this week and yeah. uh Ole Miss solid team but not a great team played Ole Miss last year in Castle and, and beat them by five I believe uh yeah I actually remember watching that game when I was up in Green Bay for a Packers game I do not but, remember that that big's name that they had last year but he they, he, he played pretty darn well against the Hokies last year. Yeah, um, and, and they generally have uh, good guard play. But at the same time, Virginia Tech wants to have something in common with uh, South Dakota State this year, believe it or not. South Dakota State has beaten both Iowa and Ole Miss. Interesting. 
So there you go. So that's a nice little uh, November <laughs> nice run little for, for South Dakota yeah, State. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, so listen, I, I want to go off script here. Um, you know, we sit around, we talk about what we're going to talk about before we start doing the podcast. And then and, we actually start doing it. And, well, as we're sitting here talking <laughs> about basketball, I'm thinking people are listening going, uh, what about the UVA football game? Um, so let's go a little off script and spend a few minutes on that. Well, I, I, that's exactly where I was going next. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, all right. All right so Tech I, don't, win- I don't remember saying that was on the agenda though. It, 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 it's definitely here. Tech wins. Okay, Tech good. wins his game ten to nothing. I was there. It was a brisk night in Charlottesville. Absolutely beautiful football weather for a night game. Um, the football on the field, not so much. It was pretty ugly. Uh, but Tech wins this game ten to nothing. Uh, the first thing I want to hit on this game was the fact that Tech was missing. By my count, uh, about six starters in this game. <laughs> it's hard to keep track anymore. Um, so, all right, so we have Terrell Evans, who didn't play. Obviously, he's been out for a couple weeks now. Mook. Mook Reynolds did not play. Uh, Vinny Mahota is out for the season. Jared Hewitt, who's not a starter but is a backup, uh, who plays a, a decent amount of snaps, he did not play. He made the trip, but did not play. Yashua Najman did not play. Joey Sly did not play, the kicker. Trayvon Hill missed the first quarter in this game, the entire first quarter. And Bud's defense may be turned in one of their best performances all year. You know, uh, Held UVA to five rushing yards. Count them. A question I have for you guys is I paid attention when I was re-watching the game to when Trayvon came in and, and how he did. He came in at exactly the beginning of the second quarter. And he appeared to me to be healthy. Do you think he didn't play for a quarter because there might have been something going on? That's a great question. I, Justin Fuente was asked about it after oh, the game, was. Okay. and he said that there was there was no no reason at all. Hmm. He didn't. Okay. He didn't I'll give take his any word for it. Trayvon even tweeted after the game. He said, "I wasn't even supposed to play" or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he did. Uh, so part of me wonders, or I was why. supposed to barely play or something. Yeah, he didn't yeah. Say yeah. Why. So yeah. so part of me wonders if maybe the original plan was for him to be kind of in a need-only basis. And then Charlie Wiles gets done with the first quarter, says, we need you. Yeah, and, you know, Belmar, uh, I, I watched him. He was just kind of there. He didn't register in the stat sheet. He didn't He didn't get burned. But I tell you what, Housh and Gaines played a hell yeah, of a game. Gaines is rapidly getting better. Um, he's really improving. And that's really going to help them because you consider the fact that coming into the season, Tech had no defensive end depth, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Gaines had played a little bit. Belmar didn't play at all. Uh, behind those guys, you have a bunch of freshmen. Yeah. But for them to have a third end like Gaines, if he can play like he did consistently versus UVA, that's a huge boon to the Hokies moving forward. I'm not sure he won't start next year. He gives you more. He gives you more big play ability from the defensive end spot. Than well, I think part of it depends upon what happens in the offseason strength and conditioning. He's listed at 245. He does not look 245 to me. He looks skinnier than that. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what, 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 with what happens with Tim Settle. And, and whether Vinny Mahota has move, to move back down inside. To tackle. Yeah. Um, Gaines, I thought at the beginning of the year, was just getting pushed back at the point of attack. And at some point, that went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got better at holding the line. And, of course, he can make plays. He's yeah. very athletic and fast. I've always liked his talent level. I think sometimes it uh, it takes some guys a little longer to develop than others. And, and you see that even more these days because there, there's very little, I don't, I don't want to say hitting, but tackling to the ground in, in practice uh, these days in college football and the NFL. Yeah. Uh, that's just the way it is. You just don't tackle the ground, you know, very much at all, hard, hardly any. 
uh, at high levels of football these these days during practice. So I'm pretty sure Tech does all of their physical play on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, and then Wednesday and, and Thursday is and they don't even very little. they don't even tackle to the ground and middle drill anymore, from what I can tell. Yeah, and any old school Tech player would be aghast to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and there was a lot of discussion after the West Virginia game of of getting in game shape, mm-hmm. and that may have even been discussion from uh, Fuente. Mm-hmm saying it's one thing to lift weights and run and work on your cardio and all that, but playing in a game is a it's different much, thing. It's much, much different. So it kind of goes hand in hand with that. I'm just talking about physical yeah. conditioning. You're talking about quality. I'm talking about quality of play because when you're not tackling to the ground and everything like that, you're not going full bore, so to speak. You know, you might not develop as quickly. And, and I think this is, you know, partly an issue with uh, Tex running backs how can you get better at breaking tackles and things like that when, when you're not even tackling you. into the ground in yeah. practice? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I asked this question before we started that that quick discussion, but I want to ask it again. Have you seen a better defensive performance put on by Bud Foster's defense considering the circumstances? Uh, I'm not sure that I yeah, have. Yeah, it's certainly up there. I mean, UVA's offense was on a roll coming into the game. They had 13 plays. Of 20 yards or more in their last three games. Bankert went off against Miami. Bankert had a really good game against Miami. He's been improving throughout the season. Uh, they have really explosive and experienced wide receivers, uh, but they got boxed. Yeah, they, they did. And uh, I, I, I'll always remember that Sugar Bowl performance by Auburn um, when Virginia Tech held three first-round picks, Jason Campbell, the quarterback, and Ronnie Brown and Cadillac Williams, the two running backs. They held that offense to 299 yards and That team had points. so much talent, that and, Auburn and, team. Carlos yeah. Rogers played cornerback yeah, for them. Yeah, and they had a pretty high pick at offensive tackle, if I recall correctly. And, uh, you know, Tech lost the game because they missed a chip shot field goal and, and dropped a – Dropped a fourth down touchdown, touchdown pass. Right. Uh, but the Tech defense dominated that game. And, uh, you know – UVA is obviously not on the same talent level as Auburn, course. particularly up front and at running back. But when you consider the Hokies were down to their fourth string free safety, their second string whip, uh, both backup defensive ends in the first quarter. Uh, they didn't even – they've only had a three-man rotation mostly at defensive tackle this year, and they were without that third man. And they were play, basically playing I, – I, yeah. I asked Ricky Walker after the game, and he said he played almost every single yeah, snap. Right. Yeah, Xavier, Xavier Burke spelled one yeah. or both of those right. guys briefly. Well, which shows you Tech's tight end – or, excuse me, uh, defensive <laughs> tackle depth right now when, when for that game. A former you, you, tight end, former Xavier Burke. He was a tight playing. end last year, and he's your third <laughs> defensive tackle. But it, it gets back to what we've been talking about all year, though. UVA only ran 54 plays. Yeah. Tech went out and ran the football and controlled the clock. Tech has been clock. very good at, at making sure they're not on the field for uh, 70 and, and, to 80 and plays. And this, this, this is what I really like about Fuente as a coach. He's not married to any style of football. And he said that. Was it yeah. on Tech Talk Live he he's, said that? He yeah, basically he said, said it, I don't care what He it said takes that when win. he got hired. Yeah, he, yeah. he's like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes to win. Now, you know, as a former quarterback, I'm sure there's nothing more than he'd love to throw the ball 40 he, he's times. He's recruiting quarterbacks and wide receivers yeah, yeah. a mile a minute. Yeah, man. exactly, and there's a reason for that. But he's not going to go out and uh, and try to force a, a square peg into a round hole. Uh, he, you know, he knows Virginia Tech's offense is not explosive. And, and you know, the offensive performance the other night, the, you know, the execution level, the game plan, uh, you know, they, they quit throwing the, the fades to the outside, which I think makes, makes a lot the of fans op- enjoy uh, that. Well, there's a reason Josh Jackson went up from less than 50% the week before to completing two-thirds of his passes this week. They threw more high-percentage passes. The offense worked. It just they lack explosive players. I mean, once a running back gets five or ten yards down the field, 
it's up to the running back and, and wide receiver blocking at that point. It, it, it's not up to the offensive line anymore. And right? yeah. you, you see it game after game. Even when they run for 200 yards, their longest run is 11, 12, 13 It was 14 yards. against Pitt, and it was 19 against UVA, and that was the Josh Jackson boot. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the, the, this this offense still that they lack explosive plays plays and players. And uh, Well, that, speaking of explosive players, I know he's not a super explosive guy, but Getting Stephen Peoples back, seventy-one yards. Mm-hmm. He you tie for the 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 uh, team twenty-two carries. team high in rushing, twenty-two carries, and eleven of those were in the last seventeen minutes and, of the game, and we just lined up. And, yeah, you know. yeah, What is I mean, it? Three point two yards per carry, and that's the best three point two yards per carry Virginia was. Tech has had I, yeah. all year. Yeah, I thought he I thought he looked better than that when you look so at the I. stats, and you're like, yeah. really? Deshaun McLeese had seventy-one yards as well. I mean, to me, that was one of the best rushing performances I've seen from the Tech offense all year because. It, on there were for most of the game, it was clear that Tech wanted to run the ball down UVA's throat mm-hmm. and control the clock and grind the game out, and they did it. I mean, Tech. I mean, it, it was obvious that Tech, they were going to do that. Tech was just the superior team in the, in the yeah. trenches by far on both sides of the ball. And I, let me get back one last point about the Tech's defense. Uh, what we wrote in the game preview last week was that. The last seven opponents to beat Virginia Tech, their quarterback averaged 20 carries for 94 yards per game. Yeah, and Kurt Binkert wasn't mobile. I, I'm 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 really developing the belief that that that's that, it. That that's it. I mean I mean I think with Bud, I, I think when unless they just have a dominant offensive line, I I really think that if Bud is playing a statue as a quarterback, on the quarterback, yes, and and you know if you're a linebacker, that means you can drop a little deeper in your drops in, in the pass. Uh, if you're a defensive end, you, you know, you, you can you can get out a little wider on a pass rush because you don't have to worry about that quarterback or you don't have taking to worry that gap about, to the inside You don't have you. to worry about accounting for the QB on, yeah. a, on a mesh, it, you know, it, exactly. whatever. Yeah, exactly. It's, it just makes it so much easier. So uh, I really think to beat Virginia Tech these days, you need a mobile quarterback. And I'm sure there's there's maybe a lot of teams you, you can say that for, but I mean, the fact that a non-mobile quarterback hasn't beaten Virginia Tech since October of 2015 says a lot. And that was Brad Kai at Miami. And honestly, Tech played... Tech the, beat themselves, didn't t- they, in that game? Brendan Motley started, had three turnovers. They bring in Michael Brewer and they go right down the field and score. And But it was too little, too late. Um... But yeah, I mean, if they have Brewer that whole game, then then you know maybe that streak goes back even farther. Tech's beaten UVA fourteen times in a row now. You still need three hands to count this streak. Um, was this UVA's best chance for the for the for the near future? Uh, I think so. Um, yeah, they're they're recruiting. I'm not sure they're going to get a better shot in the next three years. They have a lot of experienced, skilled players, and those guys failed them. Uh, they did. Lavroni dropped a ball at the six yard line. He'd been one of their better receivers this year. He dropped a ball at the six yard line. Dowling B- Binker, had the- Binker threw it into the dirt to Donnie Dowling when he, the one that got overturned. Uh, that was at the Tech 14 yard line. That that would have been their only trip inside the red yeah. zone had they been there for either one of those. Zacchaeus was totally neutralized. Yeah, um, Andrew Brown got himself thrown out. Micah Kaiser played great. Yeah, he's a good he, he had 19 tackles. Yeah. yeah, and Quinn Blanding I think was third with some number like 14, 15, yeah. 16. Quinn tackles. Branding always trails Virginia Tech's touchdown. It's just it sort of seems like it because I remember there was a play last year. Cam Phillips touchdown. Cam Phillips. Uh, Quinn was in the right spot. Yeah, Cam. But Cam just it. beat him. Yeah. And, the ball. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I know that there were some 
trash talking going on on Twitter between a couple tech players and UVA players after the game. Uh, Trayvon Hill, most notably, was very, very talkative on Twitter after the game, and he always and, is. And, and, and Gwen Blanding was one of the uh, the victims of that, especially he after he got stiff arm, nasty stiff arm by Aaron Kuma, <laughs> who even though Kuma ended up going out of bounds on the play, uh, Gwen Blanding got put on his rear. In yeah. That, on that yeah, one and that reminds me of the David Wilson stiff arm from the 2011 game. Um, so he, so here's my my take on that whole thing. Okay. I, uh, it's funny because I was looking, I was looking back at like six or seven years of my last Monday Thoughts articles about the UVA game, and I got pretty repetitive where I was saying this rivalry starting to bore me. UVA isn't any good, and then boy, it just it just crested last year. They were really bad last year in Lane Stadium, but I noticed that was a pattern and. Um, I, I wrote in my article this week. I'm I'm over that. That uh, this this I watched those guys. It wasn't a well played game, but it was a, it was a hard fought game. It was really important to those guys, and and I'm talking about the players and coaches. And it's it got really, really chippy. It did, and it has been lately. And I I, I love when rivalries get chippy. I don't want to see guys throwing helmets and punches. But well, yeah, I mean, I you, like the chippy. You got Andrew Brown throwing a punch at his high school teammate. And, and, yeah, yeah, and, and mean, he end up and he end up hitting a referee. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not with the punch, but right. he still hit the ref. His momentum carried him into and, the ref. And sure enough, he gets thrown out of the game. Donnie Dowling, he got an unsportsmanlike conduct. <laughs> that they're, they're, Sportsman like conduct, for goodness sake. Yeah. 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 And you look at Brown. Brown, when he got thrown out, he was crushed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um last game inside Scott Stadium, last I, time playing I, BT. I, yeah. I think the rival is really getting to the UVA players. I mean, they, it, it, they that, obviously that's been true for about four or five years. They, remember in twenty 20- 13, 14 in Lane Stadium. I believe it was when, 2014. Oh, 14 when they came out. They, they came out lined mid, up before the midfield. game even yeah. started. Andrew Matupawaka yeah. talked about that, and he said yeah. that was the first time he realized that this rivalry was a real, a yeah. real thing. Yeah, and I, I just think it's getting to him, just the way they behaved, so to speak, the the, the, the other night. They, I, I think they I think melted down yeah, in the fourth quarter. But they, they did. Yeah, so I they think, really did. I, th- I think they're. I don't think they I, they don't know where they're at mentally as far as this rivalry goes right now. I mean, and, and Tex players were calm and, and and collected. Andrew Brown, I mean, tackled Deshaun McLeese, and then as McLeese was standing up, just grabbed his leg yeah. for no yeah, apparent reason. Kind of weird. That was yeah. kind of weird. Then, and I thought it was funny how McLeese then shoved Andrew Brown, and then Fuente immediately yeah. uh-huh. ran right at Deshaun McLeese. Did you guys ask him after Fuente after the game? No, what he said to nobody. Because you, you didn't see. Uh, yeah, it. I well, only saw it after the game, and I mean, he immediately went after McLeese well, and ripped him a new one. Apparently, Broncos BYU teams were not known for their discipline. Yeah, right. that's when, true. When they played Fuente's Memphis team in that bowl game, there was a huge brawl. Oh yeah, in that game. Yeah. And, and you know, I saw a play in, in the first half of, the, of this game where. Stephen Peoples. It was actually a play where he broke into the open field and had a chance to go for a big run, but he cut right or instead of left, and it cost Tech a first down. But that's beside the point. When he gets tackled, I mean, you could clearly see the UVA player after Peoples is tackled. The guy who tackled him is twisting at his foot, his ankle, which is hurt. Yeah, well, which uh, has I mean, been the reason he's missed yeah, most of the season, right? Yeah. And uh, and and that's why Fuente never listed Josh Jackson on the injury report. Never told you what was wrong. Never with told. Him. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in the past, you would have gotten a public interview yeah, with Mike right. Goforth detailing yeah. exactly what was wrong. Right. So, so it they didn't want anybody targeting their quarterback um but yeah you definitely saw that some chippiness from uh from the uva players in this game and you know even in the fourth quarter when blanding was running his mouth to the to the tech sideline uh you know they were losing 
Two scores. And he didn't know how to handle it. The best response he had was to go to the middle of the field during a timeout. And start, and start running run, run, at Greg Strode. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and it, and it really, it really uh, crystallized for me um, when I was looking at, uh, I, I don't know which Twitter account it was. It was Hokies football or VT football. They, they tweeted out a picture of the Commonwealth Cup sitting on its stand in, I guess it's in Merriman. And, uh, you know, they said, we've, we've got it back. We've put it where it belongs. You, you got bragging rights for another year. And I, and I looked at the cup and I thought, if you look at the base that they sit it on here in Blacksburg, it's got plates on it that list the year and the score for the games Tech has won. So the base in Blacksburg has a VT on the front. And every game Tech has won, it has a little plate on it with the year and the score. They, they take the actual cup off the top of that base and they take it with them. They took it to Charlottesville. I mean, you saw them all, you know, partying with it after yeah. the game. And I thought, wow, what if they lost and they had to leave it there and had to get back on the bus and leave Charlottesville and leave the cup? Mm. That's a real thing for those guys. And it's real for me now, having thought of it in that way. It always shows up after the game. They're always holding it, it up after the game. Uh-huh. Well, that thing's there, man. And yeah. if they have to walk away, do you? I don't know. It's actually there in the stadium. The UVA players were going to run over and pick it up if they won. Right, exactly. That, that's a real thing for the, those the guys. The Tech players, uh, every year after they beat UVA, they take the cup downtown with them. Obviously, like the seniors will go downtown this, this time because you know by the time they got back to Blacksburg, it, it was, was very late. They probably, there were no students. They probably in town they probably did it on Saturday night. They, probably, they, they, yeah. They, they, they they've done that. They always do that. You know, they'll take it down. They'll fill it up with beer or whatever and, every, and, and everybody in the bar will will drink out of it so that's why they didn't tweet out the picture until like yesterday wednesday right probably that thing needed was, to be oh, oh it was, it was yeah. making its rounds absolutely <laughs> right. yeah probably needed to be cleaned and shined up a little yeah, bit too. yeah wow all right so the regular season for, for virginia tech is done they're nine and three uh before we move on to the over this was a question i got on twitter and i, I want to ask you you guys this coaching job that justin fuente's done this year is this better than 2016 last year? Same record. Uh, obviously not winning the ACC Coastal. But I think it's a, I think it's a valid question. I, I think you can argue it because they had a lot more injuries this year than they did last year. And last year there were a couple of games where they just got slapped silly. They, they don't know what happened to them up at Syracuse. Well, that that's not fair because they actually tied it at 17 at one point. But but they fell down early, 17-3 or something like yeah. that. And Georgia Tech, they were never in that Georgia Tech game. And there was not a game like that this year against a, against a uh, comparable team. Yes, they were never really in it against uh, Clemson or Miami. Well, you know, it was – it was uh... What was it? Fourteen to ten in the third quarter against Miami. Yeah, it, Miami was a, a really a de- pretty good game until about midway through the third, and, and then the Tech just started. That's, to... that's, yeah, that's a good point. But my point is that they lost the same number of games, but they didn't get. Uh, you didn't. Yes, they got some criticism after this year's Georgia Tech game, but there was no feeling. There was, there was, no more, there was never a what the heck. Moment. What the yeah, what was yeah, that? Yeah, Why, yeah. We never even showed up. That there was that was not the attitude at all. How much value? Do you guys put on the uh, the implementation of Justin Fuente's culture in 2016? Because I feel like that might be overlooked by a lot of people. That that took a lot of work, and now granted, a lot of that was based upon the seniors and and probably some help from Bud Foster and Charlie Wiles and and older faces within the program. But establishing that culture and getting everybody to buy in, I think that's pretty important. Yeah, yeah I, I, th- I definitely think it is, and 
and, and making it all about the team. I, I think Fuente had a good read on this team since the spring when he was sitting there saying, look, guys, I'm not worried about the quarterback position. I'm much more worried His about the – His message has been pretty consistent all He's year. worried about the supporting cast. He's worried about the receivers and things like that. And in, in hindsight, you know, he was absolutely correct. Um, I, I think he did a great job this year communicating to the players what it was going to take to win games. And that was – uh, not turning the football over, playing good defense, and winning the special teams battle. And, and, and I, I think sometimes players, you know, they live in their own little world and they don't necessarily understand the big picture of a football game, why coaches game plan the way they do, what, why certain decisions are, are made by a coach to go for it or pawn or, or whatever. But I think he did a great job communicating to them this year. This is why what we're doing what we're doing because this is what we have to do. We have to play the game this way to win because we're not explosive enough offensively to win it not doing it this way. So so you're a, you're a you're a history grad. You've studied war. Is it fair to say that the players are versed in the tactics but they're not necessarily aware of the overall strategy? Uh you know uh I don't want to overstate it, but Yeah, I I I I understand. Yeah. That that's, that's probably fair. Um uh I, I just think uh and I think I think Buzz is is the same way to a, to a certain extent. He uh, he's really uh, he's really done a good job of getting of teaching his players what it takes to win, and uh, and when they drop a game like when the, when when they dropped the the St. Louis game this year, apparently they watched the film of that three times, and uh, Buzz challenged him. He said, "Do we want to be St. Louis or do we want to?" play like we played against Washington. Uh, he was he was very emotional after the Iowa game and he kept he he kept emphasizing I feel like we figured out who we are. Mm-hmm. He said I feel like the players figured out who we are right. and the things we need to do well and stay away from our weaknesses. So that's yeah. to your point I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think your best coaches uh, do a good, do a good job of uh, of of communicating that to their players. I thought Jimbo Fisher did a terrible job communicating that to his <laughs> players this year. I mean, when you're down to your true freshman quarterback, what needs to happen? You need your offensive line to step up, and you need your defense to play dominant football. And neither one of those things And happen. your running backs need to step up because the freshman can hand right, off. Right, right. And, you know, Georgia Tech game aside, but we we saw the in the Pitt game and the UVA game, the Virginia Tech offensive line really took control of the line of scrimmage. The defense played dominant football, and we got better running back production. When it, when it, you know, when it became obvious to those guys what they needed to do to help out their quarterback and what they needed to do to win football games – they understood it and they went out and did it against Florida State. You saw the you saw the opposite. I mean, their offensive line was bad all year, and, and their defense was not as good as it should have been. Their defense gave up against Boston oh, College. Yeah, they, they didn't quit. care. Yeah, you know, and and Boston College said we're going to line it up and run it right over you. And that defense should have said, "Oh, really? Watch." Right. But no, they were just like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah. So thirty-five-three. Let's go home. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, will really quick, which which year would you give Fuente a better grade on? Twenty sixteen or twenty seventeen? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, Chris, it's coming to you next, so get yeah. ready. <laughs> you know, I I have a hard time answering that one. Um, hmm. I, I really don't have an answer for I, that one. Okay. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, I don't know either because I think a lot of the building blocks for this year as far as the culture were put into effect last year. Yeah, they were. So, you, you know, I think he can go back and point to, you know, the Georgia Tech game, the Syracuse game, and, and things like that. So, I, I, I don't I – don't, 
you know, without looking at the overall view of it, I, I would probably say 2017. But but I think a lot of lessons that helped in 2017 were learned in 2016. And I, I think it's more about the overall culture that he's built since the day he got here than anything he did differently this year. I think in both seasons he did a really good job of working with what he had. You go back to the Pitt game in 2016, he knew how to beat Pitt, and they went out there and they played that way and they did it. Mm-hmm. And there are also several examples this year where he knew how to beat. He didn't. He always says he's not going to keep doing the same thing over and over. He's going to see the personnel he's got, the opponent he's got, and he's going to specifically plan for that. And he did a good job of that last year and this year. So that's. I think that's why it's hard for me to say one thing over the other. I think I'm going to go with this season. Uh, the the amount of injuries, a redshirt freshman quarterback, one reliable wide receiver, uh, an offensive line that had to replace several starters. Uh, to me, I felt like there were so many there were so many question marks coming into this season. The lack of depth on the on the defensive line. Um, to me, I, I just feel like that there was there was so little to work with this year. But every every time I start to go there, because I've had that thought too, I think to myself, yeah, but the ACC was not as good this year as they were last year. You know, North Carolina had a lot more talent yeah. last year. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. Pitt was better last yeah, year. Pitt was better last year. Pitt's, you know, my first thought. My first thought is if if the 2016 Pitt team had come into Lane Stadium this year, they would have beat Tech. Yeah, um, probably. You know, yes. so. I'm not disagreeing with you. He did do a really good job given all the injuries and, and lots of missing parts and things like that. But I also thought the competition in general wasn't as good as it was last year. All right. I want to move on. I'd make them mad if they hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to move on to the over-unders and recap what the, kind of the regular season here. So there would be no more over-unders until the bowl game. I think we're going to do a few more for the bowl game to kind of make it more interesting. But heading into last week, Will, you had a thir- you were 13-5. and five. Chris was 11-7. and seven. I was 9-9. Nine nine. The first over-under we had last week was number of 20-yard pass plays for UVA. We know that that had been kind of their bread and butter. What would you set that at? I set that at 3.5, and, and they had 3. So I set that really? at – that was really good. Oh, huh, okay. So uh, Will and Chris both took the over. That wow. was wrong. Hmm. I took the under, so Yay. I finally looked smart. Uh, so I got a point for that. And the number of carries for Virginia Tech's leading rusher um, – I think we were. I think there was a little bit of confusion in, in terms of whether it was number of carries in terms of the leading rusher for number of carries or the leading rusher in terms of number of we yards. Decide, we decided it was number of carries. But, Who, who's going to carry the ball the most and how many times? But it didn't be? matter because both Peoples and McLeese uh, were the two leading rushers in mm-hmm. yards and carries, and they both had over 12. And that was the the thing that we set it at. How many carries did McLeese have? 13. Oh, okay. So We set it at 12. 12 and a half. Yeah, so... Um, all, so we all went over there, so we all got a point there. So Will, you're 14 and six. Chris is 12 and eight, and I'm at 11 and nine. So I'm kind of creeping back into the pack a little bit, and we'll definitely create some more overrunners once we figure out where Tech is going bowling. And that brings us to the bowl game conversation. Um, not really. I think there's still a little bit of uncertainty into where Tech's going to go for the bowl game. Uh, Camping World seems to maybe be a slim possibility at this point. Really? Uh, Jackson Tech- Jacksonville looking likely. Well, yeah, the, to me it looks like that the Tax Layer Bowl, the former Gator Bowl in Jacksonville, and the Pinstripe Bowl in New York are yeah, that, both. Yeah, the Pinstripe Bowl wasn't a thing last weekend, but it's become a thing throughout the week. And, right? and, and really a lot of that is due in part to the fact that Notre Dame lost uh, and to Stanford mm-hmm. and is now dropped into the 15 area. So it looks like they're not going to make a New Year's Six game. 
which means they're almost guaranteed to go to the Camping World Bowl game, it mm-hmm. looks like, unless somehow the Citrus Bowl opens up. It's really confusing with all the bowl tie-ins, but outside of the New Year Six game, the deal that Notre Dame struck with the ACC when they announced it a couple of years ago in scheduling and all that stuff, if Notre Dame is outside of the New Year Six lineup, they all of a sudden become a part of the ACC's bowl lineup. Right. And their their college football playoff ranking is going to be higher than Tech's unless sure. the committee does something really weird. It doesn't make <laughs> any sense. So it looks like UVA will be behind Notre Dame in the pecking order there. And it would make – UVA or, or excuse, VT? Excuse VT. me, Notre Dame. Notre Dame would be ahead of VT in the pecking order. Right. Uh, but even if they weren't, it feels like the, the bowl games would rather pick Notre Dame, right, just because it's a national oh, it's brand. Right. Yeah. The fan base is bigger. They travel everywhere. They didn't go to a bowl game last year. So it looks like Tech is going to be ending up somewhere in Jacksonville or possibly New York. Okay. I'm fine with that. Uh, and and Jackson, to... Jacksonville would be against South Carolina probably. Or Mississippi and State. South Carolina, Mississippi State. Either I think, one, man. I think I've seen either one A&M them. as a possibility yeah, there as well. Uh, they also lost their their coach. Um, I, I want to play some. I, I want to play in a bowl game against an opponent where we have a chance to win. Like I, I don't want to play Oklahoma State in the camping world. Bowl. That especially now that Mike Gundy is is back, and I do want to hit on some. They carousel. can score. All right. Yeah, yeah. Y- they you can. know, we would have to score thirty points. We can have a great defensive performance and hold them to thirty points. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just the way they are. We would have to score points to beat them. It would be it would be very similar to the West Virginia game and the yeah, fact that right. that. that Bud Foster's defense could put and, together a solid performance and still give up four touchdowns. Correct. And, you know, I expect we would get Mook Reynolds back for that game. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you, you don't like going into a, a, sh- a shootout at this point if you're Virginia Tech with where the offense is right now. Um, I would rather play Mississippi State or South Carolina and Jacksonville or Purdue and New York City to have a chance to get to 10 wins and – a higher ranking going into the offseason. Because the preseason polls, they always take bowl games into account. Sure. They should not because bowl games are a crapshoot. Right. But they do. But they so, do. yeah, you'd like to win your bowl game. Right, right. And if Tech loses their bowl game, they might not finish in the top 25. And But if they win their bowl game, they'll probably finish like 18th. Yeah. Which, you know, that's a big difference. And that opening night game next year is going to be – I don't know what they'll rank Florida State after this year, but it'll be Florida State with a number next to their name against Virginia Tech. And, you know, we, we, Virginia Tech brings back a lot of players next year. We could see Virginia Tech 13th, 14th in the preseason poll or 22nd, depending on the out, outcome yeah. of of this, the of bowl, this game. bowl game. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm really hoping that it's not New York. I, I don't want to go to New York around Christmas time. I don't, I'm not a big Expensive. fan of New York City anyway. Uh, and I feel like if they play, I don't know who the other team for the the pinstripe. Well, I think it's a Big Ten the one, team. Yeah, the one I saw would, but it, would be Purdue. But that to me that just doesn't sound interesting. That, that that's boring. But I've never been to New York City before. I would take a train up there. I and, guess and I would. My, much, and my first game ever in Yankee Stadium would be a football. Game. I would much rather go to <laughs> Jacksonville. Yeah, I would too. I have. I, have I mean, I would that, too. I have family but, that lives outside Jacksonville. It'd be a lot of fun. It's in Florida. I always, I always assumed that if Virginia Tech got the pinstripe bowl, they would be seven and five. So I was always anti pinstripe bowl. Yeah. Uh, in this particular case, I would not be anti pinstripe bowl simply because Tech is nine and three and has a chance to get to ten wins. Yeah. All right. So, but moving on from the bowl conversation, this coaching carousel has been one of the more public and one of the more interesting ones. I don't want to hit on all of the crazy stuff really with Tennessee. Yeah, that's a whole separate podcast. Because that's a whole separate podcast. But the thing I really want to hit on 
are the potential ACC moves that we could see. So we know that Tennessee is an opening. Remember, this is being recorded on Wednesday morning, so if anything changes uh, from this point on... Thursday morning. Yeah, excuse me, Thursday morning. Uh, so Dave Dorn, head coach at NC State, he's a candidate at Tennessee. Uh, Jimbo Fisher might be leaving Florida State. Uh, I mean, Sounds how... Like he for, is for Texas a Yeah, so uh, how would those two coaching moves really shake up the balance of power in the ACC? To me, if, if Jimbo Fisher leaves Florida State, I'm not sure they're going to get a coach that's even as, nearly as good as he I'm is. I'm not sure it matters for NC State. I mean, I think Dave Doran's a good, solid football coach, but they lose a lot of seniors this year, right? Yeah. I mean, including Chubb. Is, yeah. I don't know where Chubb's going to get drafted, but it's going to be way high. Right. And I, I think – I don't know if Doran's recruited well enough to sustain. I mean, I don't know much about NC They're State. They're recruiting well now, but yeah. I don't know what they have in the program. We were exactly. looking at their recruiting rankings, um, and outside of this year, they have been a outside the top 35, yeah, top yeah. 40 yeah. Right, in right, recruiting. Right, right. So he's going to have to work on developing his next group of players. So right. They're going to take a dip. Yeah, you would expect them to take a dip. and So I just is, – is, they had a good year. This is the best yeah. year NC State's had in a long time. But, boy, do they finish uh, – you know, are they eight and four? I believe yeah, they're eight and four because they, four. <clears throat> excuse me, they lost they, to Wake they, Forest to finish the year. They lost no. to Wake Forest despite outgaining them by about two hundred fifty yards and dominating time of possession and total plays. Same thing in the South Carolina game, outgained them by about 200, 250 yards, dominated time of possessions, plays, and lost. And so I, I just think uh, this might have been Doran's peak at NC State. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't take the Tennessee job because I, I, I think <laughs> because that's, that's come, a dumpster that, fire. That, that's like dating some psycho girl. I mean, complete <laughs> psycho. Uh, when, when you when you embrace that fan base, but uh, I, but at the same time, he might have hit his peak at NC State, and, and that's what coaches think. When you hit your peak at a school, it's time to move on. Well, look it's at Fedora. You know, Fedora yeah. probably peaked should've, a couple years ago, couple 2015. Years. He right? should have left either after two years ago or last year. And Larry now look Fedora we, was trying, at least it was rumored that he was trying to take the Baylor job Baylor, right. last, year. Uh, last year when it came open. And obviously he didn't. He signed a contract extension at UNC. Yeah. But uh, Jimbo Fisher leaving Florida State, to me, that would have way more impact on Virginia Tech especially in terms of recruiting. We know how active Florida State has been recruiting in the state of Virginia, specifically in the 757 area. Uh, without Jimbo Fisher there, I don't know if that recruiting presence is the same. Maybe yeah, it is, maybe it well, isn't. It depends on their, their priorities. You know, their, their recruiting coordinator is a, is a guy named Tim Brewster, and he used to be on the North Carolina staff with Mac Brown back when North Carolina was ranked in the top 10 in the late 90s. And so – he knew about the seven five seven because you know he he would he was on their staff when they recruited Dre Bly out of the seven five seven. So he, so as their recruiting coordinator, there's a certain comfort level with recruiting that area. Now, if they change coaching staffs, they're going to have a new recruiting coordinator. Does that new recruiting coordinator have different priorities? I don't know. So could it potentially have an impact on Virginia Tech? Yes, I'm inclined to say no. Though, because I don't think recruiting recruiting is less regionalized these days for your big programs like Florida State can recruit anywhere they if they see a five star guy in the seven five seven they're yeah. going to recruit yeah uh, that, that's that's just the way it is um, so I, I to me I don't think it affects recruiting all that much it makes the the matchup next year with them on Labor Day night a lot more interesting to me definitely uh, because they're going to have a new coaching staff and I don't. 
does that help tech? I don't know that it does because you don't have any film on what the new staff is going to do with the current group of Florida State players. But yeah, it could certainly, uh, you know, you know, they were dropping off when at the end of the Bobby Bowden era, Jimbo Fisher brought them back up. Now you have to make the right, if he leaves, you have to make the right hire to replace him because you, you know, you Clemson's no joke now, obviously. Yeah. Will Florida State remain, you know, the second best team in that program? They got to hire somebody who can beat Dabo. Definitely, they do. All right, folks, that's all the time we have for this one. Remember, if you haven't already uh, read all the content from the UVA game, go ahead and read that. There's uh, Will Stewart's Monday Thoughts, Chris Coleman's Sunday Column, and obviously my game recap and game notes from uh, from the weekend. Uh, also, sit down and enjoy some great football this week. We've got some great games. It's championship weekend. Uh, Clemson, Miami in the ACC title game. Auburn, Georgia, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Oklahoma, Stanford, or excuse me, Oklahoma, TCU. In USC, Stanford, all of which of those games are going to have playoff implications. Uh, but we, we will have some more uh, VT coverage, especially when we know when Tech's bowl game is going to be and where it's going to be and who they're going to be facing. But until that time, uh, thanks for listening, folks, and we'll see you next time.